Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. All right, you listeners, um, this is a fun one. So I've got Alex Mansfield on today. We've kind of tag teamed and interviewed each other on our podcast, which is really exciting. He's the host of Manny Things podcast, just got his cool sign in the background. Um, and his main gig is shooting uh, USPSA competitions. Manny, what's up? <laughs> I'm doing wonderful, Kenzie. How about yourself? Doing good. Good to see you again. It is good to see you again, even though it's only been a couple of days in uh, real time. Right. Don't know when it'll be in uh, internet time. That's true. It's so weird having, uh, not weird, but it's just different because there's not a lot of people that podcast that you're talking mm-hmm. to a podcaster. <laughs> yeah. Well, we live in a weird alternate reality. It's like you could be recording like three shows in a week. And then it's like, well, you'll see this in like six weeks. <laughs> yeah. Months away. <laughs> oh, man. So tell me a little bit about like what got you interested in firearms? Well, uh, I guess it started at a very young age. Uh, my family, uh, we're big hunters um, up here in Michigan. I should say we, uh, we live in the Lower Peninsula and deer season is pretty big when it comes to uh, not so much archery, but uh, shotgun season. So family grew up around hunting. Uh, we'd spend every opening morning going to a local diner right before we go out to the blinds or the tree, or st- the tree stands. Uh, have breakfast so and then Thanksgiving morning was always at a family members we'd have homemade breakfast and so that's really got what started like was hunting and whatnot although I've never uh taken a game I've usually the guy who falls asleep sitting next to my uncle in the but what I mean like when you're eight or nine you're like okay this is fun I'm tired though it's too damn early um and so, then eventually- I'm going to bring up two Betsy. My friend Betsy, I took her hunting 30 some years old. She falls asleep. And then that's when the buck walks out. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you're the fall asleep guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I went out now, like I plan on this next couple of this season, I don't know about just because of work schedule conflicts and, yeah. but maybe next year we'll get out this year, go out for deer season again and actually go get one. Um, I, it'll, it'll be an interesting challenge. I haven't done it in a while, so yeah i'll hopefully stay awake but <laughs> so do you use buckshot slugshot when you say shotguns is that for the deer yeah we uh well we typically we would hunt with slugs okay. just for where we were at um we had this big family farm unfortunately now they sold the property since um family members had passed away and whatnot but it was very much uh, a very nice property where like you could have seven groups of hunters out on this whole property and not have any issues Wow. Yeah, that's the dream. Yeah, we always got stuck in the swamp, but it was always a good time with my uncle and I. He'd always pick on me, so. <laughs> I love it. I have those stories, too. Um, so was it love at first sight, you know, when you had the the firearm, you got to shoot a little bit, or did it take time to kind of, like, warm up to them or later on in life? Um, I took hunter's safety probably when I was about 9 or 10 years old, so I understood firearms I kind of was hesitant because my first experience with firearms was a shotgun a, a 20 gauge shotgun so I didn't start with a tw- I didn't start with the 22 we got we went back to the 22 uh rifles after that but that was a lot of kick for you know a person my size back then so it was like I was afraid of shotguns not because of 
of them being tools, but the fact of the recoil and not really knowing how to shoulder a shotgun, you know, you get beat up a little bit and you're like, I don't want to do that anymore. And then you didn't shoot birdshot. <laughs> like, no. <fun. laughs> Horrible. We didn't do a lot of, sometimes the older part, uh, members of my family, they'd, you know, they'd shoot, they'd have the flip, the flyer and they'd fling it out there and they'd shoot the clays, but that was not very, we didn't do that very often. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool though. So do you remember, so you went back 22s and all that. Do you remember um, like firearms before owning your own, like what you shot as far as pistols, rifles, did you come back to shotgun eventually or what? Um, I actually, that 20 gauge I had for a very long time in my possession, it was a Remington 870, 870 Wingmaster in 20 gauge. Um, I eventually then gifted that to my younger sister um, because she actually, if I was correct, she borrowed that shotgun and took a coyote with it. Cool. So I gave, I gifted her that, but that, if she ever decides to get rid of that, that's mine again, because <laughs> although I've never claimed anything with it, it was, uh, it was the first firearm I ever received. I've received a couple since then, but, um, yeah, I started with that Remington 870 and then I had a, I want to say I had, I couldn't even remember what it was cause I didn't have it very long until it was, uh, it's interesting in my family depending on who you are you get certain firearms passed around you i had this 22 tube fed semi-auto cool but that uh but then of my eventually my uncle who gifted it to me had grandchildren and he had three of these rifles and he had three grandsons so each one of them got that so i had no problem giving that back up but that was a beautiful little 22 it was wood it was like i think it was like a ducks unlimited edition but let me that's awesome so I'll say this on my side, my dad has bought like 700, I'm sure firearms so far for my nephew who's six, right? And I saw the 22, I saw these guns in the closet and I'm thinking you gave me one firearm, which was a Glock, appreciative, but you've got this whole grander plans. What happened? Like, why didn't I get that? <laughs> yeah, that's, it was definitely one of those things. My uncle, I will say he's very generous and he did have a lot of firearms when he unfortunately passed back in October of, it's been almost been a year now, uh, a lot of those firearms that were in his collection, some were sold off, but some were mostly given back to family members, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I did inherit a, uh, or a revolver, uh, Dan Wesson 1615 that had the, the, it has the hunting scope on it and everything and 357. Things a boat anchor when you talk on compared to my other pistols that I own, this thing's a boat anchor. And that's so cool though. Now yeah. you gotta go home with the, the handgun. Yeah. I'm going to load for it and everything. So it'll be a, it'll be challenging. So it's really neat. So what are you going to pass down then? Um, well, I have no children. So, but if, um, if, or are you planning? Or uh, no? I mean, if ever comes up, it will come up, but I, I'll assume I'll assume simulate some firearms and pass those down. Awesome. I'm going to have to put mine in a trust because I ain't have no kids. And then somebody's going to have to be executor. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I think about. I worry about. Um, so when you bought your first gun, what did you actually buy? What was the first one? Um, I didn't get back into firearms until I was 22. Um, for everyone caring, I'm actually 27 now. So I've been back into the firearms industry space since, you know, since then. So I first originally bought the gun everybody tells you to go buy, the Glock 19. Mm -hmm. And eventually I realized that that gun was not for me. My hands are a little too long to deal with the grip and get a full nice purchase without slipping off the grip while shooting. So 
that gun i kept it for a while and it took it and took some training classes with it but eventually i got rid of that firearm so yeah yeah good it kind of sucks when everybody starts out it definitely does suck actually because i've had the same thing where we buy something and we don't know any better and we're trying now it's reversed to teach people not to go buy something without trying it renting it and shooting it borrowing it because i sold my first gun i ever bought too <laughs> real quick <laughs> Yeah, I would say I learned definitely I got in, uh, indoctrinated with you the power of YouTube and like uh, in YouTube gun channels and whatnot. It was like, oh, you know, first gun clock 19. Now people would say a little bit differently. It'd be like, get yourself a P365. I'd think now would be like the biggest thing that everyone's pushing lately. But yeah, yeah. Interesting. So turn 22. Um, did you immediately go get your concealed carry permit then? Is that when you uh, a couple of months later, it was in the plan. Um, right around when I turned 22 is when I really kind of got back into firearms. So it took a little bit of uh, saving up and whatnot. Um, I had my first, I had my 19 before I got my carry permit. So I kind of already knew which gun I wanted to carry um, before I got my permit. Luckily enough, I got my permit in like March of like, I want to say 2017, if I looked at the dates correctly. Um, so I got that. The process wasn't difficult, I would say. It definitely was not as strict as some, but it was, uh, it, yeah, it was okay. It was, it was so okay. Michigan. Uh, I gotta know, cause somebody listening might be in there. There's so many different States. I've got my permit in Florida, Tennessee. I'm trying to learn other ones around me. So what are the, the requirements to get a Michigan handgun permit? Do you have to shoot in front of an instructor, take a class? Like, what is that? Well, in Michigan, you have to take an eight hour in-class course. And then you have to shoot, I want to say they say two hours of range time during that time, like you signed up for your course or before you apply for your license. Um, there wait, is a wait, wait. Uh, self-governed two hours. Um, typically it's at the indoor range. You're, you're either it's on the day of the class or like how I did it. Well, I'll explain it is the fact that I went to this indoor gun range and then I took my CPL course there. <laughs> And so throughout that whole process, I was there, it was kind of being monitored, but it was, you know, range time. But then when you took your qual or your test, you, you did have someone there watching you take that. It's not a very hard qual. <laughs> I would say that it's a know. eight inch. It's like a piece of printer paper and it's maybe got a three to four inch circle. Okay. And this thing's got to be out at like five to seven yards, I want to say. Or, the, yeah. this range didn't have yards it was a feet range indoor <laughs> range so they set it out for you and you shoot it you just gotta you gotta hit that circle essentially so you targets on paper you have to have rounds on paper 10 rounds but you at least had to hit the circle just once at least i mean there's people shooting 22s and 380s and 38 specials and i want to show basic proficiency with a firearm essentially yeah. Okay. So this, you don't have to answer this because it might be more ish political, but I don't love the fact that people can come and shoot 22 for their concealed carry permit when they've never shot a gun. Maybe it's their first time. They're not comfortable with it. That's not a concealed carry permit class gun to me. I'd agree with you. I would say that um, you should be using a center fire uh, cartridge um, for that. Um, I understand they, you know, they want people to pass so they can, I mean, the class isn't cheap. It was, our class was $150 be. plus, 
plus, you know, the cost of getting your license, plus getting fingerprinted. So I want to say that they want to pass people, but they don't want to discourage people because I think more people, this might be an unfavored opinion, more people should get their permit, and not just uh, open carry in our, because in, in our state, you can open carry without a license. Yeah. Um, but you have restrictions on, well, as, as a licensee and non-licensee, you have restrictions on where and where you can carry and not carry. So yeah, the, the government and the state gets your money, but you're, I mean, it's nice to have that little bit of paper. And honestly, having this license makes it a lot easier when you get pulled over by law enforcement for speeding. Not going to lie. Because then they're like, you, you, you know, in Michigan, you have to declare it. Same. Um, currently, you yep. have to declare it. And they're like, oh, what do you carry? And then you start talking about guns. And then they're like, well, have a great day. Yep. It's the Willy Wonka golden ticket. <laughs> mm -hmm. Depending on how fast you're speeding. Usually, I've been getting pulled over like the last time I had a taillight out. Ooh. So no big deal. They didn't, they didn't bother me really, though. It's funny, Tennessee, the same um, number that you have for your license, your driver's license is the same number for a firearm permit. So you're supposed to declare it. And if you don't, like, it's going to come up. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's linked. Yeah. I know in some states you don't have to declare, but even if I'm in one of those states, like, I don't think Indiana, when I travel there, you don't have to declare. I still do if yeah. I got pulled over. It's, it's only happened once, but. Um... Eh, yeah. And 99% of the time I'm driving and there's a ton of firearms and ammo in the back of my truck. So might as well hand that over. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then just, that's what I usually would do is that the uh, permit goes on top of the license and be like, yeah. there you go. <laughs> yep. I do the same thing. Um, <laughs> and in Florida, I did that too. Just here you go. You know, yeah. so uh, for, for Michigan, what's different about um, their permit? Like how long do you have till you have to renew it? Um, and all of that jazz. Um, in Michigan, you have five years. Your permit is good for five years, except your first one. Depending on when you get your first one, it'll be shortened up. Not so. I got or I applied for mine in March. So then, technically, then I would have till next March for my five years of having it. But they want it to sync up with your birthday, so it's like your driver's license. Gotcha. So you shorten your first um, round of licensing <laughs> to like four and whatever months. Um, but then your next year it's on your it renews on your birth it, it, the next in five years it expires on your birth site so then you have to renew it but they give you six months of notice advance to get it done and you can do it online so so frustrating maybe you can agree so i have people that procrastinate they take the class a year goes by and they're like oh the permit's out of date or they the certificate's out of date and I'm like well yeah it's a year now right our people are always talking, like, I want to take this class, I want to take this class. And it's been years and they never do it. It's so frustrating. And the permit, same thing. Like I got, I'm type A though, but I get my renewal notice in the mail. I'm doing all of the activities like day of trying to get that done. So I don't have to think about it. Um, Cause people have had their license lapse and then they have to retake a class all over again. I don't know if Michigan's like that either. I, because I asked this, because I have a family member who took uh, the CPL course with my wife. My wife has her permit as well. Uh, more for the fact that uh, I could be lax, more lax about leaving a firearm in the vehicle. Yeah. Because she has her permit, so it's okay. Yeah. Uh, depending on your laws and what your state allows, guys. So uh, yeah. I don't want to give you too bad of information, uh, but be, don't be negligent. Uh, I had a family member who took that class, and I talked to a, a CPL instructor, a friend of mine. He's like, You have five years from the time you take your course to apply for your license, mm -hmm. which is crazy. I'm like, What? laws change so fast around here it's like how can you say that the certain the lesson you look took five years ago is applicable today for laws it's crazy i mean it's nice that they don't have to retake a course 
because they just moved into their own uh, domicile so that I want them to have their permit and, you know, have some firearms in their home. But Yep, Tennessee, you can wait eight years. You can have yours expire and you can apply anywhere between one and eight years to still get the renewal. Yeah, it's bullshit. <laughs> so anyways, uh, I won't digress too much in there, but uh, I want to know, I always ask people this, uh, what's your why for wanting to carry a gun? Well, I would say that to be a good person, it's like, I was worried about my, you know, worry about my wife and my safety, but it was like, I liked guns and I wanted to carry a gun, to be honest with you. I'm like, I, I was watching all these YouTube videos and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, you know, and you see them on like USCCA's YouTube channel or everyone's talking about five reasons why to conceal carry and like, that looks cool, you know, but I really have dreams. I'm working on finishing my college education and I'm planning on going to our police academy here whenever things normalize again because I don't want to deal with COVID and schooling I mean I've been going to schooling since 20 secondary schooling since 2014 not knowing what I really want to do in life (laughs) (laughs) but uh so I kind of carry for my personal protection um but it's I'll give you the cop-out answer you know just protect you and mine and being responsible i mean you don't always, you're not going to need that gun 99.9% of the time but the one point you know that point odd slim chance that you need a firearm to defend yourself or get out of a sticky situation i'd rather have it not need it than need it and not have it beautiful that's like the mantra to live by <laughs> so for you like how did you figure out where you wanted to conceal and how you wanted to carry and i have to know do you have a drawer full of holsters like i do <laughs> Um, it's a box. Um, it's a big, big tote. Um, it's not full yet. Um, I learned fairly quickly that I wanted to appendix carry. I tried the four o'clock in a, I don't want to bash the company, but there was a garbage product, uh, the alien gear, uh, hybrid holster, like a synthetic, it's like a synthetic crossbreed essentially, but it's not very good. Okay. Yeah. So it's got, it's got like, the, it's like a neoprene backer with like a metal insert in the back and it's got the, All you had to say was neoprene and I'm out. <laughs> I mean, it was nice and cool and comfortable, but it was, it was a crap holster. Um, I then went through a couple of custom uh, holsters made by a local guy that you could buy at the gun shop. So, you know, Glock 19 or whatever they had, but then I, I think my next best holster, I think I went to was, I found this company called alpha concealment at the time. They're making a decent product, but due to compared to today's new technology standards it's not holstered that uh i could recommend because i broke it fairly easy <laughs> i think it's a telltale sign when a kydex maker uses kydex for their wings because they break all the time it's not a hard plastic it's a moldable plastic it's not made for forces undued on to hit oh metal clips and that's when you can say clips because those are clips <laughs> yes that's the only time i think in, a, in the firearms world you can say clips <laughs> yeah improve. um so when you figured out concealed carry, you figured out your, your setup. Now, how did the mental stuff change? Your mindset, awareness, people, like want to know how you felt, you know, that first week of caring too. What were you, were you sweating as much as I did? <laughs> I did the, the, what you're not supposed to do, the tuck and grab and tuck your, mess with your shirt. I, I always, I always did that at the beginning. <laughs> um, still today, depending on what shirt I'm wearing, it might happen where I'm like, oh, I need to like fix this or readjust my belt line a little bit but i will make sure i'll go to the bathroom or something and fix it because it's like sometimes your pants just don't sit right yeah. and it's like oh there's a grip i mean i know it but it's like 
<laughs> I know that the common person doesn't notice it, but I was, yes, I fairly regularly adjusted myself, which you really shouldn't do. But, um, and I felt everyone was watching me, but yep. in reality, no one is talking, no one is watching you. I think every single concealed carry owner has to go through that. There's no way to tell them don't do it. Mm-hmm. You feel it. It's on you. It's, it's a new responsibility though, too. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I honestly think finding the the right holster for you is key. Yeah. When you're fighting gear, it doesn't make any better. Mm-hmm. Get a good belt, get a good holster. That you have to. Yep. Um, how did your clothing change or did your clothing style change? Um, I will say, uh, even before I started carrying a gun, I've been wearing tactical pants. <laughs> I wear um L- this is a shout out uh to LA police gear. I've been wearing the urban tack op pants for about six, seven years now. Cool. Um they're very comfortable. They have lots of pockets. Uh, they hold everything I need them to hold. They don't look super tactical because I wear them in multiple different colors. Like I don't wear the black ones. I don't wear brown ones. So I wear Ranger OD green, like in gray ones. Mm-hmm. So I've got like, you can look at my closet and like, there's all the pants. <laughs> and I still have my first pair. And that's how good these lasted. Yeah. I, they, they're very well designed. Um, they're very nice. Uh, I was talking to John Vlieger. You had him on your show already, but I talked to him about some of their products and they're really nice products. I like their pants. I, I, I used to, sh- in the wintertime, I'll shoot in their pants or in the fall. So yes. they're, they're nice. I like their pants, but uh, my shirts, I wear gun shirts. I wear t-shirts. I wear hoodies. I mean, other than my, I don't, my wardrobe really didn't change, but I was already <laughs> wearing the, the gun guy stuff, but I don't, I don't wear a 5'11 baseball cap with a Velcro patch. Unless, unless I'm at a match when I'm wearing my Thanks. notch gear hat. <laughs> that. I love my patch hats. I have to wear a patch for every single day of the year. Yeah. Well, I just wear one patch. It just says, go fast, don't suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want mine to say, uh, like, tread lightly, stay upright, or don't <laughs> fall. I really want go, it. Go fast, don't fall. Yeah. No, go. I want it to be something, not go fast necessarily, but something like, stay upright, <laughs> don't <laughs> fall. I don't know. There you go. We'll figure it out. Bill figure it out. No, I haven't told him, but I think there'd be a meme and I don't want to go through all that. So true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What is, I mean, you already kind of said some of it, but best piece of advice or a couple pieces of advice for uh, concealed new concealed carry permit holders, what should they do in their first, you know, week, month, year of carrying? Um, I'll, I'll even say this. Uh, if anyone at, offers to let you shoot their gun, shoot their gun. Find the right gun for you. Don't listen to the salesman necessarily. The salesman is full of shit. They're trying to sell you a firearm, which you should buy a firearm, but don't take it off their recommendation only. Do your own reviews. Honestly, go to YouTube, type in whatever gun, watch five to 10 different videos on that gun. Five different opinions. Uh, Talk to people you actually know who own the gun. I would say rent guns. Most firearms ranges have rental counters, so you can try a gun. Um, Holsters on the other, the problem is, body type and position is dependent so a holster that works great for kenzie or myself might not work for you um so i can't say there's a one-all answer for that for them but that's kind of your like it's unfortunately holsters are buyer beware kind of things you're gonna have a box just throw i mean unless you don't want a box just throw them away (laughs) (laughs) so i like your your advice sometimes cart before the horse so if you're planning if you're a newer shooter you're planning on taking a concealed carry permit class i'm all for having guns you should have guns 
but mm -hmm. knowing what you want to conceal, you probably will have more information after the class to understand, mm -hmm. yeah, belly bands or, or appendix, or like you said, different, different hold positions that, that could be a big game changer. So by after, and then I've had people come with their new shiny guns, realize they can't disengage the safety. There's two safeties externally. They don't know how to manage all of that. It's like, well, yeah. And I hate that. You're going to be able to sell the gun probably, but mm -hmm. like you said, that happens a lot. Drives me nuts. I mean, but if, I, yeah, if, and if I was a weaker person um, that didn't have hand strength, I would buy, I would, I'll straight up tell you, I would buy a Smith and Wesson easy nine or 380. That gun is fantastic. That's the ones that women were having problems with. They couldn't get a hard enough grip on the back strap to get it to go down and they didn't understand the safety. So for you and I, mm -hmm. uh, right, we, we draw, we got depressed safety. That's like a second nature, especially for us 2011 shooters. But mm -hmm. for new shooters, they don't understand that those two safeties have to be disengaged or that trigger is also not going to go, you know? Right. So I love, like love, love the gun, but you need to train with it. Right. Luckily, uh, the wife has a 380 version that I absolutely love. Besides that, it's in 380 because we bought it right before the nine came out. I was pissed. I was like, <laughs> Smith and Wesson, why you do me wrong? <laughs> that happened to me when I got the stupid Glock 42 and then the 43 came out and I gave 42 to my mother. I was like, here you go. Right. <laughs> but, it, but. <laughs> I will say like, if like, that's not a bad one to have like the nine mil version. It's not a bad one to have in any arsenal. Like even for you, I mean, that's a, probably a great gun for a loaner gun for classes and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of those though. <laughs> Too many Lunarians. Yeah. I had to have for class. No. Um, so let's talk to these people. Okay. You and I both have it in our states constitutional carry, open carry with no permit, permitless carry, whatever you want to call it. Um, those people kind of sometimes won't take a class because they don't need to take a class, right? So I have two questions for you. Okay. Um, what would you love to say to them? A couple tips for them. Um, and how does constitutional carry not help them outside of their home state or their residency state? Well, to tackle the latter question, I mean, you do not have reciprocity. You, uh, you're not, you can't take a firearm with you to, I mean, you can transport it locked in, a, in your trunk or separated from you in the vehicle, but can't carry, you're not, you're not supposed to carry. I don't think anyone would bother you necessarily. Like if, if you're going to a state that allows uh, constitutional open carry, like uh, say, for example, I live in Michigan. So if I go to Indiana and I see someone concealed care, um, open carrying, it's not going to be very odd to me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not, do I know if they're a Michigan resident? I don't know because I'm not getting it in somebody's shit who's carrying a gun and ask them. And it's none of my damn business, to be honest with myself. Yeah. So, um, but I apologize. What was the first half of that question? What would you like to say to those people that are open carrying or constitutional carrying they have no class no education maybe they know shooting but maybe they don't what would you like to say to them or what advice would you give to them i honestly would tell them if i would try to persuade them to get the license yes it's going to cost you about 300 bucks in an investment to get your license and the fees involved mm -hmm. but i would honestly recommend them go take formal training not a cpl not take a cpl class be uh but Yes, I would, I would try to persuade them in getting a license, but I honestly, in my area, I live in a very rural area. I hardly see any open carriers. Yeah. It's maybe once every six months, I'll see an open carrier. Yep. Uh, pro or con when it comes to open carry? Um, I would say it's a con because one, like say if I, I was walking in a convenience store um, and someone decides to rob the place, you're going to get shot first. And the fact that... Um, most people don't pay a goddamn enough attention to what's going around to them. Like 
we have these wonderful things called mini supercomputers at our hands, but uh, everyone's farly fair too distracted to look at this and pay attention to what's going along. Um, for a while, I was very big into the OODA loop, you know, observe, orient, you know, the, I can't even remember the whole loop of it, but I was very looking around all the time. I'm, I'm still observing at this point, but it's not as obvious and I'm not as stressed. Yeah. When you, when you first become a concealed carrier, you're always looking around thinking, someone's going to come get me. No, but most people don't pay enough attention as it is. Yeah. Yeah. You're totally labeling yourself as the first target too. You're, you want that blend in gray man, all of that good stuff because you want to be the upper hand, the surprise attack that they're not going to see coming versus the open carry. Right. And honestly, my goal is to get out of the situation. I'm not, yeah. I don't want to fight. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> okay. So yeah, the, the firearms education stuff, I don't know. There's so many people that don't that don't know about our community, I guess, or don't know about the pro shooters or whatever, but what are some like household names or names that you would recommend for new gun owners to take those proficiency classes, not legal stuff? Um, that's a great question. I was supposed to look up some of these names that I don't, I, there's some really good concealed carry courses um, and keep, well, concealed carry minded uh, firearms shooting classes. Um, I think his name is John Murphy. He's out of Virginia. He has a very good class. Um, I've seen reviews on it and have friends who've taken his classes. Uh, he's a very smart person and uh, he goes through like some of the legalities of having to use your firearm, but it's more of a, I'm in this oh shit situation. What do I need to do to get out of this? Shoot accurately and fast enough for what the task requires. Um, if you're shooting a red dot, you need to go see either Mr. Aaron Cowan or Scott Jedlinski of Modern Samurai Project. Uh, to to have better red dots. Um, one of the biggest instructors who's helped me when I first started, his name is Steve Fisher of Sentinel Concepts. Uh, he tra he's a traveling instructor. He might be in your area near you. Uh, he teaches a lot of different shotgun, rifle, pistol courses. He is very much a uh, accuracy kind of guy, but he can lay down the speed when he has to. But he is very much about being proficient with manipulating a firearm. He's almost like as proficient like, you know how competition shooters, they are very proficient in what they do at the very fast they can do it. Yeah. But um, Steve is very much about being proficient, not necessarily being able to lay down splits as crazy as you can, but being very proficient um, in economy of motion is very big for him. Yeah. There's Riley Bowman too that I really enjoy. Oh, yes. Mr. Riley Bowman of uh, Concealed, uh, I think it's ConcealedCarry.com. Yeah. Uh, he's a competition shooter and he, uh, he puts out good information all the time about everything. So... Yeah. And I don't know if you know Jeffrey Abrams in uh, Atlanta area, but he's phenomenal too. He's very big in defensive um, pistol tactics. Like he shoots from the ground and he teaches, but he also goes and takes a ton of defensive classes, which is cool. Um, and then I'm lucky I have Tim Carroll. He was on the podcast. He teaches carry for life series and he knows his stuff. So working around a vehicle, drawing in a vehicle, that's stuff that people, everyday Joes aren't going to be able to do or have access to do. Right. Yeah. You, and especially when you go to these, it's either you need to have a private membership to a range or you need to have buddies with land no, where you're no. taking courses with people who have insurance. <laughs> yeah. No, no guy. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. So yeah. How can, how can we as a community, so us shooters, whatever, do better educating people about firearms or being less abrasive about firearms and more trying to you know, have people understand why they should get educated or why should they learn how to shoot a firearm, even if they don't like them? Well, we need to stop thinking that we're better than them because we do know about firearms. 
Mm -hmm. Honestly, the person who doesn't know anything about firearms can be molded as um, long as they don't have a negative um, connotation with them. Like if they're like gun neutral, I would want to say, like, they can, you know, they're not, they're not this way or that way. You can persuade them fairly easily with good facts and information and being open. Ask any, you know, answer the questions. They might be dumb questions, but the more we talk to people about it, I think is the better. And <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it's don't be too big for yourself. I mean, we all have egos in this industry. I'd like to say that uh, we know more than the next guy, but we all can learn from somebody. I learn every day from people. I don't think I'm going to learn from. So yep. be, being able to uh, learn from new people and share information is kind of a big thing. If we can uh, look at other people and figure that out, it, it'll make everybody a little bit better and more people will be more willing to say, can I go shoot with you? And then you'd be absolutely, let's go. Mm -hmm. I can't provide ammo right now, but we can go shoot. <laughs> Please don't mansplain. But yeah, no, totally. Yes, agreed. Like <laughs> mansplain, I don't like mansplain. I'm a dude and I don't like mansplaining. Mm -hmm. it's, it's awful when I go to, I don't go to gun stores. I would love to. I would seriously love, love, love to. So I'm not against local shops, but I know more than them. And I don't want to know more than them. And I'm not trying to say I know more than them, but they just think that they know more. And then they go into mansplaining and I'm like, dude, I can't. <laughs> I can't, can't get a word in edgewise. You know what I mean? Right. I, I go into gun stores just to hang out with the clerks because they're my friends. I mean, like, I, I, I mean, I go into look and I'll be there two hours just bullshitting with the clerk. Yeah. It's that pro shops and yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So for, for people that are afraid of firearms, you know, how, how can we just explain to them like they're, they're just another tool that serves a purpose, right? Like that's what I refer to as a lot of firearms as is tools. Um, honestly, for that, I would honestly say that like, they're just a tool. Like look at any law enforcement officer who has to use his firearm in the line of duty. He wants to go home tonight. That's, that's, he's protecting himself and his community by I'm unfortunately having to deal with a threat. So, I mean, honestly, if we look at good justified shootings with good, you know, video, you can, I kind of like to think of that as a good way to show people who are afraid that it, it's not, it's not the tool's fault. It's the conditions that it was unfortunately had to be used in, but it is a tool. It's a life-saving tool or hunting, for example, like that hunting rifle that's sitting in a closet isn't going to hurt anybody. It's about to be providing for my family. It's going to take that deer. It's going to take that bear that then hopefully is going to be then processed and then consumed and feed a lot of people for a lot of meals or or just leave a tape a firearm on the table it's like is it hurting anyone it, uh, it, does, it doesn't have legs it can't go anywhere <laughs> no it's, it's hard so yeah you just have to learn how to use it and then it's not dangerous it's dangerous if you don't know how to use it just like if you had a, an electric saw and you put it in my hands i don't know how to use it it's dangerous even for me <laughs> yeah well that's why they have safety and everything's got a safety guard everything has safeties or like even when you talk about it like a like a power saw You've got to hit the button and then you've got to remove the guard. It's, and honestly, I think you've even talked about this on your podcast. Like children shouldn't have access to firearms until they're mature enough. Same with adults. There's some form of maturity when it comes to learning about firearms and the safety rules. Like the four cardinal rules are there for a reason to keep you safe, keep everyone else safe. And so nothing bad happens. Yep. Yep. Uh, I want to ask you this too. How many uh, videos have you seen of uh, body cams or dash cams? Two, two questions with that of 
you know, firearms do malfunction and not knowing how to clear them, you know, could cost a police officer their life. And then how many videos have you seen where like the attacker is not going down when they're shot one, two, three times, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, when it comes to the second one, like, um, I said previously, I'm working on going into our police academy. So I've taken some criminal justice classes. We've, uh, we've sat through some body cams and whatnot. And some guys, when they get shot, that adrenaline goes through the roof for the officer and the assailant. So that guy's going pretty hard unless you're able to, two shots isn't going to finish him off, especially if you've got a shoulder shot and a leg shot. I mean, you've got to be able to put, there's a thing in, you know, about center of mass, like right here in the, the punk, someone likes to call it the pumps and the pipes right up here in the thoracic area. I can't remember who says I've picked that up from, but you got to put good shots on targets, gut shots. I mean, people can live through those. I mean, we saw that in the civil war, people lived through those, unfortunately, but, uh, but yes, and guns do malfunction. I, I can say for my, uh, uh, match videos, this last match I had, Lord, did I rack that gun so many times and it wasn't the gun's fault. It wasn't the mag's fault. It was ammunition's fault. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, test fire to your hollow points in your firearms before you carry with them? I do. Um, I try when ammo is better. I, I carry 147 grain federal HSTs. So when you were able to buy the law enforcement box, it was a box of 50. And those were really helpful because you could be like, all right, I need a mag and a spare mag. So that's 30 some odd rounds. Oh, and then, uh, I would then shoot the rest of that box. Okay. Yeah. And I'd go through it, make sure it cycles the gun, um, zeroing process because I carry with a red dot. So I've got to make sure my gun zeroed for that ammo. Yeah. You're not as concerned as full metal jackets in zeroing a gun. You're, you're really concerned with whether or not those hollow points are going to hit center mass. Right. Yes. They're very expensive though to shoot at paper though. I'm not, oh I'm yeah. Not so same thing with long range, uh, I zero with long range ammo. Cause that's what I really care about. But yeah, those rounds are a lot more expensive than my burner ammo. Yes, agreed. Uh, for those on video, I was going to say, uh, I've got these copper hollow points from Supervel Ammo. It's actually a different kind of hollow point that I've been used to, which is really cool. These run solidly um, through, through all of my firearms I've used mine mill wise. But man, finding what works for you too. Like there's so much out there, just like anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but finding the right hollow points, beautiful. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I remember watching, if you guys are interested, you can go check out carry trainer, Mickey shook. He, uh, he's a firearms instructor in Illinois. He loves Supervel. He's got some great content on that. Um, as, as Kenzie might know, and you probably all learn is that I love plugging people who've got more information on something than I do. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm, I, I absorb knowledge as well. So it's like, um, I'll point you, you can always get pointed in the right direction. I might not have the answer, but I can get you an answer. I like the gel tests for everything. Uh, hopefully you do some of those. I was told by one of my clients I work with here that I get to do some gel shots soon. I'm like, come on, slow-mo video, please. Jello shots? Gel, gel, <laughs> ballistic gel. But yeah, oh, gel shots yes. after. <laughs> there you go. Fun fact about Kenzie, I love jello shots. Yeah. Love. Yes. Too many of those and we're done. Um, <laughs> so do you have any mottos that you live your life by? Yeah, I do. Um, it's a catchphrase I say after every of one of my uh, my content. It's get out and do the things. And I kind of came up with my motto by, I was sitting on the couch watching TV, looking at my phone. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? To be honest with myself, I was wasting time, wasting energy into stuff that really didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
I want to do things. I want to, I don't want to give myself, I can't do that because X, Y, and Z. I'm too out of shape. I'm too busy. No, I'm like, make time. Mm -hmm. I, um, the thing I also say is like, we talk about shooting, shoot sooner. We'll do it, do something sooner. Don't wait. Um, don't procrastinate, get it done. So like, if I've got a free minute here um, and I've got a project I'm sitting on, well, I got five minutes. I can go work five minutes on that. Mm-hmm. So I, there's a couple things, but like I said, get out and do the things. Don't, life's not, life's not going to come knocking on your door. You need to go knock on life's door because life is way too short. And if, if you don't experience it, all you have is regrets. And now the time is now, not tomorrow. Don't start tomorrow because you're already a day behind. Start today. Ooh, I like that. You need a new banner now. <laughs> yeah. I need a lot of banners. Um, this For the video listeners, this is made by uh, Bill Duda of Mr. Go Fast, Don't Suck himself. Uh, it's a very good priced banner for how big that is. It's a four foot by six foot banner. And that was less than $50. You just said go fast, don't suck itself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he might, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't know Bill's preferences. Seriously, but that's what you said. <laughs> We're gonna take a brief intermission. No. Um. <laughs> oh God. Oh, so you started, yeah, your own pod podcast. So for people listening, uh, now that you have an, this podcast, this is what you're gonna go listen to next. Tell us about yours um, and what it's about. Um, well, this, the the podcast is Manny Talks Shooting. Um, it's distinctly a shooting podcast because I wanted to learn and how you learn. I learn. I'm a very uh, audible listener. Um, I learned that in school. Like I don't read very, I read, I can read to a comprehensive level. I don't enjoy reading. I do not like reading books. I'm a listener. I love podcasts. I love audio books. Um, I love YouTube videos, but I don't watch YouTube videos. I'll listen to them. One, because my phone's charging and it's sitting somewhere else and I'll just listen. (laughs) And if your YouTube content is not, it's a lot of music and a lot of, you know, videography, great for you, but it's not my style. I'll, yeah. I'll listen to someone talk for God, how it knows how long, but so I like, I liked communicating people. And I saw all these great competition, self-defense trainers and shooters. And I'm like, well, I want to talk to them, but I'm just a regular dude. But I had this idea of talking to people and I'm like, well, the only answer what, what's the one answer they can tell you that you don't like kenzie no exactly so get out of your and i was a very closed off person and i didn't want to ask like when i grew up i never wanted to ask for anything but then ask i realized what? in life i hate asking go ahead but yeah yeah i hate asking but it's like well they can just tell me my best friend brian um who's been the one of the biggest helps for me um in shooting and in life really he lives in texas which is unfortunate but we met through the power of social media which was cool he was my first ever episode, Mr. Uh, uh, Brian Levy. And he, uh, he got me out of my shell a little bit. And then he's like, well, I'm going to ask him, do you think I could talk to them? So then the next big name is I had Jay Beal. You probably know Jay Beal. He's like freaking amazing carry optic shooter. And he's like, yeah. And then you just find out all these people are regular dudes. Every, even if they're a pro shooter, they're a regular person. They have a day job, a family, they have turmoil in their lives. So it's like, just talk to them. And honestly, I sit there, I talk to them. We pretty much have a conversation like this, a little less structured, but it's, there's still structure to it. And it just goes off the rails and we have a great time for an hour and a half hour and 20 minutes, however long I get it to record for. And, but it, it was just my way to give myself an excuse to ask people to talk to them that I normally wouldn't get the chance to. They're not local to me. Um, and yeah, 
and they have all different levels of scooters. I had my one of my best buddies, Joey, on. When I interviewed him, he was a D-class shooter. Now he's a B-class level shooter. Ooh, nice. So you kind of see the progression in people too, and it's really cool that you can learn from people under your skill level and over your skill level. Mm-hmm. So why did you start it? When did you start it? And when did you first like get the idea of doing a podcast versus like launch date? Um, I would say I started it back in February of 2021, I want to say, uh, or, or it was early first quarter, at least I started it. Um, I was on this, I was on a live stream for about a couple months. We were doing a live stream with on another buddy used buddy's YouTube channel. And then eventually that fizzled mm-hmm. just because it was kind of demanding and it was structured every week during oh. COVID big during COVID, but it was like, okay, so I would say it was early, maybe two, three months of thinking about it before I finally pulled the trigger. Um, but then I asked one of my best friends on, he was like, Hey, will you be my test subject and see if this works and see if people like this? Mm-hmm. He's like, of course. So we did it. it. It took off pretty well. And then it kind of grew from there. So, I mean, I didn't sit on it too long. I had to wait just a little bit to get a setup. Like I've already, I already had my mic. Um, I had my computer, so there was no like gear holding me back from starting. There's some people who's, record on their phones like i mean they're you can start a podcast with anything mm-hmm. but definitely having the right gear helps and motivate it because i know i don't like to struggle through gear issues at all <laughs> yeah it's funny you mentioned gear uh it doesn't matter if it's a shooting sport or podcasting uh gear as an excuse can be a pain uh getting starter gear gets you started and then you can work up from there so i think that's a lesson that applies to both I'm running on a 10 year old computer guys. So, uh, this thing is like ancient. Uh, Mine's going to crash too, too soon. I'm seven years into this. I gotta, I'm trying to wait for Apple to come out with their new one. Damn it. <laughs> so I'm waiting for that date. Uh, well, they just released a new phone. So hopefully it's around the corner. I know. And they keep saying, I Google every single day. If there's a date, <laughs> <laughs> take my money now, pre-order, for charge real? my card. <laughs> oh, it will be. I'll be the first customer. <laughs> um so what's been like your favorite part about podcasting or maybe one of your favorite episodes that you've recorded Ooh, my favorite episode well there's a there's a hard part a lot I love all of my episodes for a different reason or another and I always taught myself that was freaking awesome when we're done after we stopped the recording button I tell the guest that was freaking awesome because they're all different a certain way um some of them are very more uh, conversational some are very to the point topics I think if I was going to have to pick a favorite episode that had a lot of knowledge for shooters uh, was my episode 10 with Mr. Tim Heron of Tim Heron Shooting. He and I um, have taken two courses with Tim um, and he's just been a good friend to me and uh, I can talk to him. I call him up when I need something or ask him something. Um, But I would say my favorite episode is probably, they're all my favorite, but if I was going to pick one that was probably best for the listeners to go listen to, it was probably my Tim Heron interview. Although tim's internet sucks yeah yeah did you uh try out his belt like i bought the dominant defense belt gosh months ago after he recommended that and it's been an amazing carry belt um uh yeah i have had that i've had that since the beginning of the year nice yep i have that on that belt is phenomenal um i think i got a little little small for me because i've been i was in a flux of weight loss so i'm so proud of you keep going I flux weight all the time. And it's like, I've been on this, uh, people, if they watch my social media, I'm on the 75 day hard challenge and I flux weight like crazy, but I'm drinking like a gallon of water a day. So, but my weight does not stay the same. 
from day to day. I gain weight, lose weight. So, but this belt's amazing because one, it's rigid. I would not say it's as rigid as a double alpha belt. Yeah. No. But the ratchet system locks it in. The inner belt is the key. Um, I have for anyone caring, I have no affiliation with Jason at Dominate Defense besides that I know some of his shooters like Tim and a couple uh Kenny Platt and uh, Doug Dalski. But this belt is awesome because it the inner belt you could use it as a carry belt, which I have. Yeah. Which is freaking awesome. Because it has a little clasp and uh, the little loop in the hook. It's really cool. And then but the outer and the inner velcro together and have that ratchet in the back. You're not chopping up a double alpha belt and putting a rid- ratchet on it. You're not using an ELS belt with a ratchet. It's... I've done that. I chopped all mine. I like mine. But yeah, their their belts are awesome. The uh, I was gonna say the carry belt. I'm on my very tightest I can go, and it's still loose, which means I've lost enough weight to have to buy another one. <laughs> just 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 honestly, I, from what I've talked to, email Jason. He'll hook you up. You'll get a nice, decently. Uh, you'll get a nice uh, secondary customer. Essentially, like thanks for coming back. Kind of discount. Especially when you're buying those belts are not cheap. Yeah. And I know we're not all made. I'm not made of money. And I know most people aren't made of money. Um, so, but it sucks is when you buy gear and then you lose weight. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I used Tim's code and it was a good discount, but it's still an investment. I just, yeah, lost so much weight. Then I'm like, crap. Um, what's been the biggest challenge though for like the podcast consistency or? Um, honestly, it's not burning out. Yeah. It's not that I, I love doing this, but the fact is um, dealing with a schedule at work, dealing with the home life, you've got to, and you've got to dial in the schedule. I try to accommodate my guests as much as absolutely I can possible when it comes to time scheduling. I work a second shift job. I work in the afternoons till midnight. So typically I have to record in the morning unless I'm able to make a variance in my schedule at work and record in the daytime, um, record at night. So I do my absolute best to accommodate my guests, but still trying to have balance in my life because for a while I was just slamming these so hard. <laughs> the fact that I, I was not making life at home better. So yeah. I had to uh, find balance and not have so many shows recorded ahead of time where I'm like, Oh, we're recording today, but you're two months out. <laughs> Cause <laughs> yeah. no one like, I, honestly, as a guest, I my big, or as a podcaster, I would hate to have my guests expect their show to come out in a week or two weeks. And then I'm like, hey, you weren't out for, you're not for another two months. Oh goodness. Yeah. 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 My original format was going to be bi-weekly and it was going to be every other week. And I'm like, no, that's one. I have too many recorded up to this. When I first started, I had too many recorded up. I'm like, no, we'll just do a weekly. Yeah. And then if I miss a week, it's no big deal for me unless because I, I took a month break a couple of weeks ago, you know, I just started back up. Yep. My video, my viewership is right back where it was, even after taking a month off. So honestly, if you take a break, come back to it refreshed, it's not as bad. Thanks. Yeah. I'm trying to actually, uh, sorry, your episode will come out later, but I'm trying to cover my butt when I'm gone for 14 days of nationals and I'm gone this weekend. So I'm taking three weeks off pretty much in October where I'm like, I can't go that long. Right. (laughs) I guess for me, but yeah. Um, You know, it's funny. People are like, do you have the time to start a podcast? Obviously you don't, I don't, we wanted to, we wanted to learn, or I hear people all the time. Like I, okay. People that don't want you to win or are not doing the things and want you to fail are the ones that are gonna be the naysayers and the the negatives. Right. But the people like you and I, like, I applaud you for putting through a podcast. I know what it feels like, know what it uh, has like for work, but like these people that, Oh, I want to, I want to write a book. I want to start a podcast. I want to write a blog. And they never freaking start. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know what to say to them. The, the, honestly, the Nike catchphrase, just do it. Mm-hmm. Just do it. I mean, like, but like, there's no time like the present. I, I mean, these are all silly, overused quotes, but I'm honestly, it's like, unfortunately, if they don't have the, the gumption or the ambition to do it or to, you know, to keep putting it off, they're going to keep putting it off and putting it off. So they're not going to get to do what they want to do. So I'd love to convince them to go out and reach their goals, but if that's on them to decide to do it, that's on them. I can't, I can't drag your feet and tell you, you need to start your book today. Yeah. Cause then it's not going to be genuine. It's not going to be as good as it possibly could be if it just started flowing off the page. Yep. I, uh, can't can't you can't do for others what they won't do for themselves that that's a big one too absolutely uh, and like for me I, I hate it when I give my word or say I'm gonna do something I'm probably 900% gonna go do it and even if I don't want to do it I've already said I'm gonna do it so I have to do it mm-hmm. it might take me a minute but I'm gonna get if I said I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it yeah <laughs> oh man so what was your uh your goal was for learning obviously for the podcast you want to learn and meet new people and talk to people uh, what do you want people to like learn from you online on social media and uh, remember about you? One, if I'm going to say I want anyone to learn from me is that anyone can do it. Mm-hmm. I'm some Joe Schmo from Michigan who's going out there, shooting, having fun, learning, um, communicating. So anyone can do anything. You don't have to be, you can have no money. You can have no time. You can still get it done. You can do it. It just takes a passion. And honestly, um, if you've ever read the book, um, you've read Winning Win Mind, right? So if you read Attainment by Troy Basham, he says one of the um, 12, um, 12 steps of becoming an elite performer is having passion. So if you have passion for what you do and what you want to do, you can go anywhere. I can be the best shooter with if I, I've got the passion and the drive to go finish it and do it. I can get it done. It, I mean, I might not be a world champion, but what my level of success or what my level of participation is, I can then go and be successful because I have my passion. I have my drive to do what I want to do. Um, to remember about me, I would honestly say is the fact that I did it. I, I went out and did things. I, I didn't let anything hold me back at this point. Like, yes, I mean, financially, you can be held back to doing what you want to do, but Take it in steps, take it in bites, take it in chunks. You don't need this elaborate podcasting setup or YouTube studio or office to do what you need to do. I started in my basement and now I'm up on the first floor now, but I share this room with my furry children, my dogs. So, I mean, it takes steps to go from a basement studio to a nicer office, to a solo office with a door that no one else goes into. It all takes steps in that. And Alex, success is overnight. I mean, one step at a time. I mean, if we're going to think of success is overnight, I'm going to make that success by getting up in the morning, putting my pants on and getting to work. Yeah. It takes years of stuff that people don't see behind the scenes to get mm-hmm. to where you want to be. So, And I honestly say you don't even need to take years to be successful. And honestly, you honestly can, uh, I can be successful by, getting out the door, going to work, uh, doing something I love. And then I have success for the day. Like, or you finish the day, not wanting to kill somebody because (laughs) work (laughs) like my day job, I deal with a lot of, I mean, everyone deals with stupid people, right? Yeah. 
I deal with that a very lot. I'm like, why are they, like, you ask upper management, why are you doing this? And then he's like, because I want to. And then you're like, we've done this 10 years ago. Didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. That's good advice. Good stuff. Um, I want to talk about like this massive influx of new gun owners. Um, yes. Last year was record breaking sales this year, you know, still high. What are your thoughts on all these new gun owners? Um, welcome. I, I want to welcome them. The fact is, um, thank you, because because now we can finally have more of a push to defend our rights. Um, long as we are not mansplaining everything to people. I mean, I want I like the new the new gun owners. Welcome. Let's get you some training. Let's get you in some classes. We got to get you some training, even if it's a four hour this is how this gun works seminar. Cause a lot of people, when they were afraid during the black lives matter, um, riots and other riots due to George Floyd, um, George Floyd, Oh, learn to speak today. It's only Thursday. God, it's like a Monday. <laughs> anyway, um, through all these riots and, um, civil unrest, everyone bought these guns out of panic, but they necessarily don't know how to use them or how they function or they just knew they wanted a gun. Yeah. Um, how can we, so it goes back to what you said earlier. And I like this because I knew nothing when I started, you knew nothing when we started, we all have this place where we started. Right. And Mm -hmm. so quickly we can make people feel dumb or small because they don't know. Right. So how can our community be a little less judgmental and a little bit kinder to new gun owners, whether it's on social media and memes (laughs) or like to their face, well, what one memes people don't take memes seriously they're for fun and amusement like like honestly like when bill makes a meme if it's about you be honored that he made a meme about you because he remembers your name <laughs> he <laughs> because, knows who you are <laughs> yes he knows he knows who you are but yes we definitely could be nicer to new people um just because they don't know what you know doesn't mean they're a lesser being they're learning they're willing to take the step to figure it out though but if you if we are so standoffish and talk punitive to them they're not going to want to learn anything they're going to put that gun back under their bed or try to sell it back to the gun store because those people were not very nice to me yep yep goodness gun stores i could give a whole lesson on that um (laughs) so for the media out there on firearms um of course our accounts and a lot of people are definitely suppressed on social media but for you, like what accounts or sources do you follow online on social media um, that others could really value as a resource for credible information, not just paid information or, you know, incentivizing people for certain companies or whatever, they're actually legit educational? Um, I will say if I'm, my social media is very tailored to what I'm enjoying at the moment. My social media revolves a lot about competition shooting. There's still some tactical trainers that i follow because i can get behind what they're saying and or their friends so my social media what i'm seeing might not be what's good for every gun owner in the world but i will say um some very good accounts like if you want some good knowledge uh about guns and being proficient um joe farewell is always a good one um joe puts out a lot of good content but like I said, Mickey shook earlier from carry trainer. He has some good mindset things too. Lately he's been posting about, um, 
about some stuff too and it's it, some of the, the videos are a little graphic mm. due to nature but i'm they have a good the captions are what's really good yeah. i don't have facebook so i have no idea what happens on facebook guys so <laughs> if there's some really good people there uh, but most of the the trainers that i w- would take a class from like sky jedlinski steve fisher aaron cowan um riley bowman tim heron travis tomasi any good instructor who's been vetted is probably a good account to follow just because they're going to take the time to talk to you unless you um unless you're being an asshole and uh try to troll them because then they're not gonna be very kindly to you but you deserve it if you're trying to troll somebody yep. i mean trolls have no place in the internet yep Okay, let's talk about the inside scoop on uh, what people don't know behind the scenes on the Instagram. So what drives me nuts is when I see a video get thousands and hundreds of views that's it's awesome and they're trying to take away education and there's like five gun rules broken, there's 180 broken, there's all this craziness and there's like 7,000 targets within five feet of them. Mm-hmm. This content, it gets views and stuff, but it's not training, it's not real life, it's not, I don't know, drives me nuts, right? Like what we see and what we know. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I don't know. And that's where it kind of comes back to vetting. I mean, some, I, we can, we can like something because it's entertainment. Yeah. But the fact is like, if I, for example, I'll post a video. I'm very positive about like my shooting videos and be like, I did this well, I did this well. And here's my one or two takeaways. I come away from learning with this, which I hope that people will learn about it and learn from it. I mean, one, I would agree. You never post a video that shows any unsafe actions. Any unsafe action should not be posted because then it puts a bad light on us as a second amendment and as a sport or as a community. Um, and people need to put context into their videos as well. Instead of just like these blazing drills, it's like, yeah, that's great. You just smoked that three yard target, but what are you trying to work on? Are you working on just growth speed or accuracy and, or threat identification, like if you're working on like a identification of targets kind of a scenario. Yeah. And some people just do it. I hate videos that are just for the gram. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, Riley does a good job of that. He has like those cool competitions that he sets up with uh, hitting certain circles at a certain time. And, and he shows everything, the draw, the time on the timer itself. Like you legit have what he just did and again joe farewell does that my friends jack does it so you're literally watching people that are doing these challenges which is really cool but yeah if you've got someone running a uh, stage look mm-hmm. that match up find their name and then go look at their alphas their charlies or deltas their mics their no mm-hmm. shoots and their time right like uh the video i posted one yesterday i posted the time all my hits um i even explained why i had two mics this match I just shot had so many hardcover targets. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yep. Yep. So that's huge. Hey, Prox scores your friend. You can look that crap up. <laughs> oh yeah. You can stalk people. Honestly, if you know their name uh, and you know where they shoot, you find the club, you can find their USPSA number or IDPA number, look them up and uh, figure out their classification, the matches they've shot. Uh, All that. It doesn't show you DQs though. I mean, that'd be kind of interesting if it showed you how many times they DQ'd. Yeah. <laughs> There's people like that. It's not funny, but yep. Um, so what all have you shot actually competition wise? Um, I have only shot USPSA matches. Um, ammo has been tight this year. I started, my first year of shooting was October. I shot, my first match was October 1st of 2020. It was my oh. first USPSA match. So 
yes, I'm just a year in and I've tried USPSA. I'm hoping to try Steel Challenge in, I don't know, sub, I, I need to get a 22. I'm, I want to get like a 22 rifle or something. Yeah. So probably get like a, a 1022 uh, and shoot uh, optics uh, rifle, whatever they call it. Rimfire rifle optics, yeah. Yes, rimfire rifle optics because I want to go really fast with a 22 and not feel bad about missing. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so what what disciplines have you or divisions have you shot in USPSA? Um, I've only shot carry optics. That is kind of the whole reason that brought me into the sport was uh, carrying a red dot. And um, I've listened to a podcast. They don't put it out anymore. It's called the Modern Samurai Project podcast by Scott Dedlinski. And he all, it was called the nickname, the get better podcast. He had Tim Heron on there okay. and I was listening to it and it's like, I was getting the idea of to get better, you need to test yourself. Now, if you can't test yourself like in a class or have a training partner, the next best, the next best thing is competition shooting. And he always recommended USPSA. So I'm like, all right. So I went out, I bought a Glock 17 MOS gen five. I bought a Trigicon RMR, slapped it on the gun, bought a couple, bought my gamer rig, you know, belt, mag pouches, holster, and went out and shot a match. Well, I was going to shoot a match in like May, but then COVID hit, Ugh. shut everything down. Then I took a Tim Heron class because I was hoping to have matches under my belt, take the Tim Heron class, but I took a Tim Heron class before I even shot a match. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yes. And that was the best part about the Met class. I'm like, I'm new. I've never shot a match before, but I'm safe. We're going to have fun. That's, that's awesome. how I introduced myself to the class. And it was, that's awesome. So I shot in October of 2020 was my first USPSA match, um, shooting carry optics. I will say, uh, Mike Foley did a lot of good and bad things for our sport, but he brought me into the game by making carry optics. That's really cool. Yeah. And so did you change division or, uh, classifications or have you shot enough? Uh, yes, I've shot. I'll tell you, I've only shot eight USPSA matches. I just looked this up the other day, seven locals, one major. Um, I started as a mid 50% C-class shooter after getting initially classified after shooting a match. Then I shot a class fire match. But now I am like a 63, 64% uh, B-class shooter. I just shot a 70, almost a 73% or the other day, but I already had that, cla that classifier on my record. So it chops that good score out for that last one and takes the higher score. So it, my bottom score didn't drop off like it was supposed to. It took a good score, <laughs> killed that. So as soon as that next one drops, I'll go up even more. That's but, awesome. And anything like, I love dry fire. If I'm going to tell anybody, you need to go dry fire. You don't need to dry fire as much as I do or as much as I did for a while. I was doing two 20 minute, 20 minute sessions a day. If you touch the, if you're just touching your gun, and practicing mindfully once a day, three to four times a week, you can get very, very proficient. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that helps you before you go to match too. <laughs> yes. Beep, draw, shoot, reload, practice a couple of those things before going. Yes, absolutely. And no one's going to make fun of you for having a crappy reload or a crappy draw when no. you're new. They want to help you. Yeah. I mean, like, I love it when new people come to the range I'm a little hesitant due to just not knowing how safe they are, but yeah. I love experiencing being with them and helping them learn and be like, take these targets over here because X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Yep. So did you go to the match by yourself? First match? 
yes and no. I drove three hours for my first USPSA match. Okay. Um, I had buddies down there uh, who shot at that. That was their local club. And they shoot down there. It was in Indiana. Uh, it was at Wildcat Rifle, Wildcat Valley Rifle and Pistol Club in Lafayette, Indiana. So I drove three hours from my home to shoot their local. It was a six-stage local. Funny to find out, um, my first match, um, Jake Martins was there. Jake Martins lives in Indianapolis. And I didn't know it at the time. And I'm like, what? Who's this Jake Martins guy? <laughs> Jake, and Mar- Jake and I are pretty cl- uh, cool now. We uh, only email back and forth every once in a while. But uh, he was on my pod. I had him, was lucky enough to have him on my show. That's awesome. Yeah, Jake's good. Uh, what was I say? Okay, so did you have expectations for that first match for yourself? And have fun. Oh, go ahead. Oh, and I was gonna say, and did you accomplish them? <laughs> yes. Uh, so if I had was have fun, be safe, don't DQ, hit the targets. I had four things. I had fun. I was safe. I didn't DQ, and I hit the targets. I had no placement ideas. Um, I was, you know, when you go there, I had buddies there, so I I was looking to be challenged them a little bit and then i realized that i hadn't you know it was my first match i i was not on pace to keep up with them so i learned a little bit so yeah now if we shot that match again today i think i could be beating them that's awesome down you had those expectations did the match go though how you thought it was gonna go for the most part like uh format and whatnot or uh or if like okay i'm gonna go out this i'm gonna I'm going to get these hits and these times and have good hit factors or whatever you think, like you have these grander plans, I guess sometimes. And then eh, you humble yourself a little bit. Yeah. I, I guess I didn't have super, um, I knew about score hit factor scoring and I knew about scoring for USPSA and how a match was shot because I had, I researched it. I went online, looked up what is a USPSA match and watched a bunch of YouTube on it. And (laughs) so I kind of knew what, how to, what a little bit to expect. I knew to hit the brown ones, not the white ones. If you hit the black one, if hit the black part, you got to go hit the brown part again. And and uh, so I didn't expect like to do super well, but I expected to do well enough. Mm-hmm. My goal was mid pack. You know, I was hoping to be in the upper part of well, the bottom part of the upper half. Yeah, it was my only goal, not to finish. It. But uh, I wasn't expecting like, oh, I'm gonna get a five hit factor here those friends of mine worry so much about what was your hit factor? What was your hit factor? I'm like, it doesn't really, it's not applicable to the stage because I knew enough that this is a long field course with like five mandatory positions. Yeah. Your hit factor is going to be lower than a six or a seven, but then they were like, Oh, I want to have at least five hit factors on stages or six hit factors. I'm like, that's not always going to work out there, bro. <laughs> I at least knew that enough. <laughs> Are you sticking with carry optics then? Or are you going to switch over? Is there, are you curious about other divisions? Um, I, I'm open curious. <laughs> I'm too poor for open. That's why I shoot carry optics. Um, my plan is to, if I make master in, when I, when I make master in carry optics, I'll be looking at getting an open gun okay. or three. <laughs> It'll take me long enough so I can save up for three. But I mean, well, when you shoot in a 2011, you need a backup gun or a spare. So. Or if you're Kenzie. If your name's Kenzie, you need backups to the backups. Yeah. Well, everyone needs a backup gun. I have a backup gun for my carry optics gun. I have, yeah, but they're I not identical, backup. but you need, yeah. you got to have a backup, especially if you're going to a major match. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you worked as an RO yet? I am. I am a certified RO and I worked one, I, my first major, I worked my major. Oh shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> so why do you think shooters should do that? Like give back and work as an RO? What'd you learn? Well, I learned that you don't know everything as a, just a competitor. Mm-hmm. I took the RO seminar to learn more about the rules, to be a better competitor, to know what I can and can't do, ask for an overlay. Um, RO interference, um, I, I'm taking my reshoot because he ran into me. <laughs> <laughs> like or prop malfunctions like people like you you hate to hear the word stop on a stage you know oh, like, yeah. what the hell happened you hit the popper it didn't go down yeah or and it's an activator we're reshooting you get to the yep. end of the line <laughs> like and people don't understand that you have the rights as a shooter and if you don't know how to use your rights you, you le- lose half the battles because there's a lot of things regular competitors don't know. I've read the rule book twice now. It's still very fuzzy, <laughs> but I'm learning it. And working a match and giving back is a big thing for me. I, my, my mother example, always volunteered. Everything I was involved with, she volunteered as like a treasurer or as on the board. Um, now today, she's still, she's a, she donates her time to the MLA, the Michigan Longbow Association, because I shoot longbows. She's their treasurer because she enjoys being one. I think she likes power, but she also likes to volunteer and being, you know, and help out. So that I, I kind of got that from her. So I want to volunteer. Uh, my first major match I shot was the Ryan Rocks Charity Blast in Michigan, where I met Mr. Brian Conley. Yep. Um, what? But that match I didn't know was the story behind Ryan Rocks. This little boy, I want to say he was eight or nine, diagnosed with cancer, terminal. Um, he loved the outdoors and shooting and whatnot. And they made this match in honor of him to raise money for the Rhine Rocks Outdoor Adventures Foundation. So this match is one of the bigger fundraisers for them so that they can take people, um, cancer patients, children, and their families on a retreat in the outdoors because Ryan loved the outdoors. So as I'm working this major match, I'm finding out more and more about Ryan, finding out more about the charity. And it was just a really good experience or ROs that came all the way from Missouri to come staff this match. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know you've, you've been a uh, major RO at uh, multiple different major matches, um, national levels comp- competitions, but the camaraderie you get from being an RO and hanging out with your staff and, your squad mates that you're, you're working that stage with it's a nice feeling it's i think it's almost better than squad mates like you're shooting a squad yeah if you're working three days with them you're like all right we're gonna do this this and this we got everybody's back mm-hmm. i will say the stage i worked was a very difficult stage to work from a safety aspect because it was a shoot house it was a dark house yeah Unfortunately, we had like five reshoots due to, we forgot to turn off the lights in the dark house, but for safety reasons, we turned them on for unload and show clear. Oh yeah. Just because we want to make sure that firearm is close, you know, is unloaded. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it was a fun stage. It was a fun experience. Um, I'm planning on ROing a couple different majors this year. Well, in 2022 season for the most part. So that'll be good. I'm hoping to RO nationals. Um, in 2022 since I've ammo's primers are coming back slowly so I can build up some ammo yep but I've got a plan for it now so it's my goal is to RO RO and shoot nationals wherever it's at so for the rule book did you read the rule book like when was the first time was it before the first match or was it after the first match um 
<laughs> depend i read parts of the rule book before my first match yeah. like divisional rules like can i have this on my gun or not on this gun um and other than start positions and whatnot and what's unloaded or it was very brief on what i read in the rule book before shooting a match but i didn't read the rule book until i took the ro seminar really though to like actually sit down and read it page for page well they make you that but yeah <laughs> well i mean like even before like i so i knew the rule book a little bit better yeah. yes good good yeah so all you people be type a read it before you ever shoot a match <laughs> right well at there least know what you can get away with to be honest with you like well, get away with <laughs> Well, and honestly, I mean, when, you know, when people say gamers are going to game, yeah. I mean, it's like, they just know the rule book. It's not yeah. really gaming. It's be the fact that you didn't write it properly to how you intended it to be. Like some people will complain shooting, standing outside the shooting area. Doesn't say completely outside the shooting area. So you can have a foot in and a foot out and still be outside. Yeah. Yeah. Reading all those start positions is, is really fun and interesting. Also, it's not though, when you're an RO, so like for us and nationals, mm -hmm. for example, or any match, We'll go, we'll walk stages, and then we'll be shooting the next two days. Well, when we show up the, the first day, this happened at two gun, they change every single start position, every single box, every single whatever, because they realized that we could have gotten away with murder and um, changed it on us. So then we had to learn a whole new stage plan. It just sucks, but that does happen. Mm -hmm. Write your stage briefs uh, specifically. <laughs> yes, yes, very. And that was the thing that we had to, working in that first major I worked, we had to verify that the written stage brief was locked tight and solid luckily our stage was fairly start anywhere in the shooting area yeah. so it wasn't too terribly bad yeah um, my favorite just shoot stuff from the shoot shooting boxes <laughs> no i don't like shooting boxes though shoot no 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 but like uh, oh in, yes inside the shooting area yeah. yeah shoot it as you see it shoot <laughs> i like that oh man so yeah become a naro get certified help out uh it is a lot of fun and then a lot of our sports take care of the ro's and you know, they let us shoot for free, um, mm -hmm. yes, and sometimes you get to win a gun or two. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's kind of why I became an RO is because then I could, I, I'll say I am financially challenged, everyone. The, the fact is, I mean, I don't have infinite money to go spend on the shooting sports. Oh. So a way is, okay, I can volunteer my time and get a free match, get a free hotel out of it too, so I can stay there. Not that I'm trying to exploit the system, but it's like, it's how you can do things. So if you want to go shoot majors, you're not exploiting they need it and that's why right. it saves me a ton of money and i've got the time and i can work anywhere so it works for me right yeah and you just have you just it costs you the time of not being able to do anything else but the fact is like take vacation days off work for myself or yeah. just block it out and like oh that's my job for the week yep so that's and my my plan is to become a cro in march where hopefully i uh, have a uh, cro seminar here we have to just i told my buddy who wants to host it at his range it's like just wait till I'm eligible. <laughs> <laughs> then please have it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I could just email our, the nice thing is our RMI, the range master instructor for our state lives in Michigan. So he doesn't live that far from me, the ranges that we want to host him at. So it's pretty simple just to have him out and be like, Hey, we're going to do, we're going to do a class. You know, yeah. you just have to pay him. You don't have to pay for him to travel or anything. So yeah, it's nice. Saves a lot of money. Yes. So in your opinion, like what does the future of shooting sports look like? Um, it can look really good or it can look really bad, depending on how this ammo crisis continues to go. You either will see less participation. You'll either have high level competitors at more locals and 
the high level, well, the high level competitors will still be there because they found a way to do it and they can afford it. Your average Joe Blow might not necessarily join the sport because they can't afford to shoot 200 rounds of factory ammo at the match. Yeah. Even though they're dropping round count, I would bring nothing less than 200 rounds to a match or at least 250 because you could get burned. At least on a USPSA course on three gun, I have no idea because you need all the ammos, all of it. <laughs> I had to reshoot several three gun stages and I have been pissed on having to do that. Where's my money back, right? Give me my, where's, where's all that? Am- like I we remember stocking shells last night. Me and my buddy, it's 36 cents a round for shotgun Ooh. ammo. Is that bird shot? Bird shot. Ugh. You can't even find slugs. So the last match director, normally like that match has like 40 slugs. Like I'm not exaggerating. It's a slug heavy match. Mm-hmm. Euro this year because nobody could find them, which was nice, but still it's like eye-opening, I guess. Yeah, it very much is. Like, and honestly, around here for a while, we have like a we don't have big box stores really. I mean, we have like a gander outdoor or like a sportsman's warehouse like 40 minutes away. I went there and that's all they had was shotgun. They had bird shot. That's all they had. Dallas, send that my way. <laughs> my buddy stopped in Bassboro on the way back from West Virginia literally zero shotgun ammo so i'm like damn that's crazy because that's all we have up here oh i wish we i even looked online for him i'm like well it doesn't say out of stock does that mean it's in stock Mm-mm. it just doesn't it doesn't want to tell you it doesn't tell you anything yeah i'm like great <laughs> oh man so uh yeah how can someone like get started or find more about like a sort of shooting discipline specifically um or meet the community or talk to match directors to get in the game um, how can someone get started? Um, find someone on social media like myself or Kenzie or anyone who shoots USPSA, three gun, IDPA, slide into those DMs and start a conversation. To be honest, it's the fact that I know I will sit there and talk to you about shooting a match. I will give you my phone number. To, you can call me and I'll talk you through it and how to set it up. But honestly, go to USP. If you want to shoot USPSA specifically, go to USPSA.org. There's a find a club section. You can go to practice score, practicescore.com, look your area up, like type USPSA, three gun, um, steel challenge. Honestly, I'd recommend someone to get starting in the shooting discipline, starting steel challenge. You're shooting in a box at five targets. You can shoot 22s and it's kind of the, the gateway drug to competitive shooting as everyone's a lot of, everyone's called it. Even though I didn't start there, I would say start there. You'll have fun. You'll want to go shoot a gun. You'll, then you'll want to run and gun. Yeah. But um, reach out to good people, uh, follow people on Facebook, join, um, join some Facebook, Instagram groups, uh, and even just go out to like, you see there's a three gun match or a USPSA match or a IDPA or seal challenge, go to that match and watch. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to be like, Hey, what you doing here? And they'll, they'll talk to you and make you feel comfortable instead of being that um, outsider. Specifically at this match, I just shot a couple days ago, there was two people watching who were, uh, friend uh, they were uh, customers of one of my friends who who works at a gun store she invited them out to watch but they were all a little standoffish and we we're like come here come closer i mean like we don't bite we don't have we're, we're healthy we, i mean don't have, you won't get sick you might well you'll you'll just get the the shooting bug yeah so. <laughs> and blame me for your financial troubles <laughs> right just because now you're gun poor and your house rich it doesn't uh, it's not my problem <laughs> <laughs> like that yeah there's there's a lot of ways to get into it so and Alex. YouTube, go in. Oh, yeah, I YouTube. apologize. Get, go to YouTube, search it. Like you'll find it. Like it's not hard. You just need to know what you're looking for a little bit. Yeah, it'll be hard to find because it's suppressed and blocked, but you'll find it. <laughs> yes, agreed. You'll find it. 
Yeah. So for you, I know you said master class on carry optics and stuff, but as far as like how to get to master class, um, what does the future look like for you to get there? What are you gonna do? Well, I dry fire, so I'm gonna keep dry firing. I'm uh, I'm gonna take classes. Uh, it's about it's about having the eye to know what you need to do better at. So my it, it it's something simple simple is take a video of yourself even though you, it's kind of a hassle at a match to get someone to follow you around or set up a camera video yourself so you can actually it's not about what you thought you did it's about what you did because you can see it mm-hmm. so analyzing my video um, having really good mentors and coaches um, helps a lot so they can help you out and find your deficiencies um, shoot honestly and shooting matches is a, is one of the only ways to get better at shooting matches mm-hmm. so get out there, shoot as much as possible as honestly as I'm going to try, um, go live fire practice that this year has been ridiculously, I survived this year on 2000 rounds Nice. this whole season. That's, and that's nothing. I mean, it's like, honestly, it's, it's a sad thing to say is like, I've shot less than 2000 rounds this year. Wow. It's part of it. It, It's definitely when, especially when you're trying to find, it's the fact that you can't find it person. You got to find it online. You're paying hazmat to ship it to you. And it's like, lord that seven cents primer sounds great ends up being 12 yes exactly that's awful but my per you know i'm gonna video myself um practice when i can shoot matches uh talk to my mentors like like i mentioned brian levy um tim heron uh i'm planning on hopefully either taking a tim class again this year or maybe a mason lane it all depends on ammo if i don't get more prime you know if, pri- if i had no more primers for the rest of the year you know for 2022 I would have an okay season, but I wouldn't be able to take a class. Yeah. Yeah. And prioritizing training is a good thing. Mm-hmm. So if it happens, it happens. If not, I'll just do my own training. But my goal is to make, by the end of 2022, make a class and then work towards master. So nice. I like it. Uh, something you said about <laughs> hand your phone to someone to video you, they'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you squat with me, you will have videos. Also, if you squad with me, you will have other things that you did not want to have on your phone. Ask Billy. <laughs> right, so ask Mr. Billy Barton. But the fact is, now they have blackmail on you. They're like, remember these? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. So seriously, social media content, my squad. Um, anybody else, you'll be not as invaded of privacy, but it's great. <laughs> right, exactly. And it's like, honestly, I got rid of doing the phone just because I, could, I couldn't find anyone who was good enough at taking video locally to me. That's true. So I'm like, I, I walk around with a three gun cart, like a three gun stroller mm-hmm. with a boom prop that has a camera, on it, like has a GoPro on it. I wish I had done that. So uh, there's a video, I think it was Dawn. There's a video of me where I literally fell into a mud hole and all you see is Kenzie's head just goes Phew! on the ground and you can hear it where I'm shooting from the ground, the targets, and then you see me finally getting up. So my friend Dawn, right, is videoing here. But as soon as I fell, he was like, what the fuck? And <laughs> phone <laughs> when he gets i start getting up he was like oh yeah i'm like really dude but my buddy aaron mm-hmm. it, same thing he always forgets the videos friend tanner it's really actually kind of hysterical and it's a bad video whatever and i finally gave him my phone one time i was like i just i need a video he did it perfectly for me so <laughs> just don't understand the world it's great mm-hmm. <laughs> oh god the angles guys so you want footwork you want to see the person shooting and the shots made and you gotta get it all good luck but don't just leave it like my problem is people just keep staring at the put the phone at the targets or they'd have it vertically and i'm like no 
this is not how you video sideways. <laughs> I mean, unless, unless you're doing TikToks, you can do TikTok yeah. this way, yeah. real video this way. Yeah. So, and I got so many hate, like I posted a match video and like the, the videography was garbage and people are like, you need to like get better help. I'm like, it was my wife. Don't be, don't make fun of her. <laughs> She's not a shooter yet. So it's like, it's, it's forgivable. So I just went to the boom prop and it's a lot easier to get, you get the whole stage, you get a nicer angle, to be honest with you, for at least base stages. Yeah. You can get the whole stage and the wide angle and it's, it's decent. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite time to you, videos is just fun. So there was a spouse that they don't know that they can follow the shooter because mm-hmm. they're following guns and firing, you know, shots everywhere. They're kind of nervous, but Becky Yackley just grabs this woman's phone and she was like, kind of like confused at first. And then Becky went and followed the shooter and was like, Oh, so he, and like, yeah, they just don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't shoot this major, but our Michigan sectional this year, I went and took uh action stills and everyone was really excited to get action stills of them so and then i met like i met people at the range and then they're like oh they added me on instagram even though i didn't post any photos yet so then i sent them their photos but we had some ro's like don't come in the shooting area like to people videoing i'm like this video is crap then like what can they like this stage Mm -hmm. it was maybe 10 yards deep for the shooting box but it's like how could like like I can't see everything back here for these people. It's like, that's, that's super annoying. Super annoying. Mm-hmm. As a camera person, they need to be a little more vigilant and paying attention to other than just videoing. Like, is the shooter coming back here? Because if they are, I got to back the fuck up. It's like any RO yep. stay the fuck back, but also be within distance to do what you have to do. Yep. Yep. And you know, you should learn to know your shooters again, like knowing, Oh, Kenzie's going to do this, or this is the stage plan. She's probably not going to forget her stage plan. So you kind of have that discussion ahead of time <laughs> right or if you know they've missed a target and they're like oh shit i missed a target here no. we're always like is he gonna come back here no he's not coming back that's what happens with three gun <laughs> right well then the, is the funny is like when you're watching the video the commentary behind the camera yes. is always hilarious it's my gift to the world mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man now this has been fun um any final thoughts that you want to leave uh listeners with here um well i'm gonna do my stupid catch for it. It's not stupid. It's get out and do the things guys. Honestly, get out there. There's no lake. There's no day like today. Tomorrow is not the time to start. It's today because you're already a day behind. Mm-hmm. So get out, do things. Um, don't let anything hold you back within reason. Um, small steps, micro steps. If it, that's what it takes. Uh, don't be afraid to ask questions, ask people. The worst they can say is no. Um, life's full of everything you want in it. You just have to claim it for yourself. So, um, you're the only one who's uh, controlling the reins here. So you can make it happen or not. So if you, if you have a goal or an ambition to start something, to do a hobby, just, just jump head first. Just go. Love it. So how can people find you, your podcast, uh, on social media, on YouTube and all that jazz? Um, you can find me at uh, on Instagram. I don't have a Facebook. That might change. I might make a Facebook just because I might be able to grow my audience just a little bit and that's at many things underscore because someone had many things, which made me mad. So many things underscore on Instagram. YouTube is just many things. The podcast you can find on any podcasting platform or YouTube because why not post it multiple locations. Um, it's many talk shooting. It's on the many things, uh, YouTube channel, um, website may be coming. I've got to figure that out. Um, I, I got to up my game. So I'm, and honestly, guys, I'm still learning social media as it is. Cause I'm, head first just jumping into it so 
but you can find me um hit me if in the dms if you hear this and watch it chat i am more than willing to talk to you uh i'll give you the time of day you want and i'm not i'm not too good for anybody so don't feel ashamed i'm just a regular guy same same well said that was beautiful thanks again for coming on um thanks for sharing all of this and your advice and I'm excited to see what you do in 2022. So we're going to have to have you back on to tell us how you made a class. Absolutely. Anytime, Kenzie. I'm more than willing to sit down and chit chat with you. It's always a good time. It is. It's a lot of fun. So thanks for listening um, and tune into the next episode of the Reticle Up podcast. Thanks for listening to the Reticle Up podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Reticle Up or 3 Gun Kenzie.